Good morning. Good morning. How are you all today? Thank you for being my business. Today, I'm very excited to be inviting my cousin, Kimberly J. Oliver. And she is a minister and she is a recent author. She authored the book called 101 God Given Inspiration. It's a book of inspirational and motivational quotes. She is also the host of the Facebook Live Singles Ministry. Lifestyle of the Saved and Single, which broadcasts bi-weekly on Tuesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern. Kimberly has both the Kimberly and then the keynote speaker and then several young people's women's and young people's conferences. And most of all, she's a woman of God who believes firmly that everyone is important and everyone is important. So today, I am so excited because she is a very sweet, a very sweet person, very kind of heart, and I know how much heart, and I know how much. And I'm so excited to have her. Now, any other further ado, any other further ado, I'm gonna welcome her to our show. Hi. Good morning. Hi. I know. Good morning. I've got a little bit of an echo. I've got a little bit of an echo. And I don't know why. So I'm going to try. I'm going to plug these earphones in. I'm going to plug these earphones in. Okay. All right. Is that better? Is that better? Much better. Okay. All right. All right. Yay. So how are you doing today? How are you doing today? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Um, I'm well rested and ready to go. I'm so excited to be able to be a guest on your show. Not only are you my, my cousin, but you're also an amazing individual in, in and out of that. Well, God bless you. And I mean, I just know the same thing about you. Your spirit is so beautiful. Thank you. I, I appreciate it. I do everything that I do just for the goodness of the Lord and his people. I love God's people. And I believe that just innate in me is that everybody should be treated equally and everybody should be treated fairly. And we should, you know, treat each other with the love of God at all times, no matter what the situation. You're absolutely right. We have You're the same spirit, right. the we same heart. Spirit, the same heart. Um, I want to um, start off by I talking about how you got in the ministry. I believe around believe you 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 answered your call. Yes. You answered your call. Tell us about that. Yes. Tell so, us about that. Yes. So, um, you know, I come from you know our family long line uh, history on both sides of my family. Um, my, both of my parents on both sides um, are, I guess I'm fourth generation apostolic Pentecostal. So it kind of runs in the family. It would be very hard to uh, get away from it. I did try to run from it. I did try to see who I was outside of Christ. That didn't work. And um, around 15 years old, maybe a little before, I knew that I was called to the ministry, but I didn't know what to do with it because, you know, the, the models that I saw before me were so great and they seemed like they were so 
powerful and just something that I just, I didn't see myself being able to attain that level. So I shied away from it, thinking that it was something I couldn't do. I stayed in the background for years. And um, someone told me a, a very uh, powerful prophet um, in the kingdom told me and around my early 20s that I was not called to the background as much as I wanted to be there, that I was called to the forefront and that I needed to own it and that I needed to know that I could do that with Christ. So I think a lot of times people think of things that they can do in and of themselves and not realizing that you're doing it with Christ. It's not you. You were trying to do it. It's not going to happen. But because you're doing it with him, you could take each little step. You could step out there. So I um, answered the call in 2003 when I was 30, like officially answered it. And then I still kind of wandered around a little bit and went around the mulberry bush. And uh, but I but I, I ended up I ended up there and I realized a lot of the things I was doing before I was officially licensed or officially had a title or anything like that. I was still doing the work of the Lord without a title. And I think that's what a lot of people fail to recognize is that you could do so many things without a title. For some reason, when people put a title on something, it now names it, it identifies it, it marks it. And then people start to look for certain things because you have this certain title. And if you don't live up to it, it's even more detrimental. Absolutely. I, I agree with you. I myself don't I like titles at all. Like titles and, at all. And, and I'm and not ordained yet. I'll be ordained next year. Um, after I graduate, so I need to have to be ordained. But it's funny yes. whenever I go in and people are like, saying things like that. Saying things like that. You don't have to identify me like that. And then someone's going to say, well, you know, you were called to this. You were called to this. And I said, well, the only thing I'm called to do is serve. And so, you know, if it's not the word of God, if it's not the word of God, me, I, I, I can't speak I, for it. I, I can't so. speak for it. So. Yes, I, I echo those sentiments wholeheartedly. Um, you know, it, it's, the, it's the type of thing that what you said is we're servants. You know, there's chief servants and there's, you know, different levels of servanthood. But at the end of the day, we're servants. And I've never seen where servants go around looking for these titles. And, um, you know, I think a lot of times we get caught up in, in titles. There's nothing wrong with it. And they have their place and, and there's, there's different ranks and there's different levels. But I think some people get so caught up in titles, which will lead me to a couple of quotes from my book. But I do have a quote from my book that says, don't settle for a title that makes you compromise your position. And that mm -hmm. didn't come easy. It's not like that was something that popped into my head, but I was seeing it more and more where, you know, people have all these titles, but whatever that title is that someone gives you, if you don't live up to it and it makes you compromise your position or, or your stance in Christ, then I don't think you should take it. Absolutely. And, you no, know, anything you know. like that. Yeah, you know what when your heart will convict you will convict if you're not work, walking in the right way as well. And right you know, and, well. and God will set you down. And, and, and nobody has to tell you so. But, so. 
but you just exude so much light and so much energy and I can just feel how sweet you are. I mean, from the very first time that I met you, I can just tell that God was all in you. And so I just want to talk about your ministry a little bit, just like what you do in the ministry, who you serve in the ministry, and why you are drawn to what you do. Definitely. So I try to label, quote unquote, my ministry. And I, I always say, you know, my 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 core motto for my ministry is from patience to perfection in him, taken from James 1. And what I meant when I said that was, you know, it, there's a lot of patience and there's a lot of long suffering in ministry or, or anything, you know, just being a, a child of God, there's a lot of patience involved. And I had to work on my patience. Um, you know, I, I tend to be a very patient person, but it, it's hard. It's hard. My nature is to be very patient, but then it gets hard. It's like, why am I waiting? Why is this taking so long? And so when I read James 1 and it talks about, you know, it's patience to perfection, but it's all in Christ. Uh, so I, I took that on as a ministry motto back in 2014, and I've really been trying to live at that core and at that level um, in anything that I do in ministry. So um, I am an associate minister at my church, and you know I do various uh, speaking engagements, and I'll I'll talk about that in a little bit too. Is I used to be a very shy person, not around my friends, but in public, um, I could barely read a scripture. And so people who see me now and they see me preaching and teaching and conferences and things like that, and they're shocked that I have a Facebook Live ministry because I barely wanted to read the scripture. I was so frightened I would mess it up and I, I wouldn't read it correctly and somebody was going to judge me for it. And I think <clears throat> that also too, and we'll talk about that later, um, I'm getting ahead of myself, but there's a lot of um, weight that is put on the way people are treated in the church, um, judgmental, uh, self-righteousness. And so there's all these labels of, you know, all these images and these things that you're supposed to be because mm -hmm. somebody else labeled it. But you really have to live at the core level of who you are in Christ and working on knowing who you are and what your gifts are. Um, I'm an artist. I'm also an architectural engineer by trade. So I often wondered, how do I fit that into church? You know, me drawing and things like that. So back in, you know, the late 90s and the early, you know, Y2K genre, there were no Facebook, Instagram, none of that stuff existed. So the ways that I wanted to communicate was the ways that we are now, Facebook Live, and, and I love the StreamYard now and Zoom and all those types of things. That didn't exist. So I often wondered, well, where do I fit? You know, I used to do, and I still do, I do flyers and posters and all those types of things. And I didn't have an avenue and I didn't have um, a platform, but now there's all these platforms. So, you know, I grew into it. I was patient back then when those things didn't exist. And, you know, you don't get noticed with any of those things. You know, it's kind of, again, it's like a background ministry, but it set me up for, being able to just launch and just jump out here and do these type of types of things now where, you know, 20 years ago, I would have been in a corner somewhere. I would have been one of the people who would have come on somebody's Facebook live and barely written a comment because I wouldn't want them to call me out. 
But now I don't care. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And and you know, I, I can so understand and relate to what you're saying. It was hard for me. It was hard for me to walk into my call because of my call because of I wasn't brought up in a household that we were in ministry like that. Although we do come from a ministry background, background, it was totally the opposite. And so being around my friends and being around around my family and my mom, she's always like, you're always preaching. And and she made it sound like it was a bad thing. And I was like, I'm just trying to tell people to do the right thing. I haven't always done the right thing. But I just was like, if I go and tell somebody, they're gonna look at me like I'm crazy, and you know, and then yeah. when I, you know, and then when I, I knew that we were spiritually connected, and we were supposed to be in ministry together. But I told him, I go, you know, you are called to speak for God. You are called to speak for God. And I thought to myself, I'm supposed to speak. I'm supposed to preach. I'm supposed to go Yes. They didn't really and believe they didn't that really believe that women should be in the pulpit. And so, you know, I started, you know, asking why. And so I was scared. So I was scared. When I tell him about this car, I tell him about the car. God showed me something. God showed me something. If you trust me, it's bad. You can't hear me. You can't hear me. Okay. All right. Let's okay. see. Is that a little okay. bit? Let's see. Is that a little bit? Hold yes. on. Just a second. Hold on. Just a second. If I can fix this, okay? All right. No problem. Is that better? Is that better? Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Much better. I feel like that's better. Okay. All right. And so um, when I actually answered my call, he and I answered my call. We didn't just know that it was going to happen. I was like, you better not wait another second. You better not wait another second. I told you, everything was set up. And so when I go down to answer my call, I look at the minister and I say, 10 minutes for them too. And they look to me and they go, and they look, you know, and he didn't even know we were married. And I turned around and
Sure, sure. Um, so, and I'm looking forward to, I see all the wonderful things that um, you and your husband do. And you, you can just see the both of you just exude so much care and compassion for, you know, the, the married couples and, and couples. And which is why I ended up taking the stance with singles. And so I, I spent a lot of years, you know, I'm single, I've never been married, I don't have children. And I spent a ton of years, I'm gonna say 10 to probably 15 years in this area of, you know, singleness, but I was begrudging it and I was hating it and I was upset and I was angry, didn't even realize that I was angry. Um, and then when it came to the point that it was affecting you know, my walk with the Lord, where it was like coming to a crossroads because I was sitting there going, why can't I, you know, why, why am I not married? Or, you know, why am I not engaged? And, and why am I not in whatever kind of relationship? And so I didn't realize that it went, ended up going into an area of just being angry and, and begrudging people and, and, you know, jealousy and, and all of those things that people don't like to talk about and people like to act like it doesn't exist, but it does. Um, you just, you can't help it if, you know, you see everybody around you having the things that you want and you don't have it. And so I spent all that time and, you know, God had to, to heal me of it. And I had to go through some things and I had to cry and I had to moan and, um, I also went through a period of, and we'll get to that in the book, but I went to a period of two years where I wasn't working. So when um, the market was down and everything in 2009, so from 2009, July of 2009 until September of two, um, 2011, I wasn't working. I was looking for a job every single day, going on interviews, nothing was happening for me. And I was kind of at like what I would call my all-time low, um, but I had to look to God, God provided for me. And I said, if I get out of this, and I know people always say that, Lord, if you do this for me, I will never do that, you know, X, Y, and Z. But I really meant it because I that was such a humbling experience for me. And the things that people said and the things that people did to you and the way people looked at you and the way people talked to, talk to you because of a situation that you're in, I hadn't really experienced it on that level, you know, that magnitude. And so going through that led me up to today. So I'm looking at myself now in 2020, which, you know, a lot of people are complaining about, you know, 2020 was supposed to be my year and now it's not, um, you know, and all of that, but wherever it is and whatever it is, God has us here for this season. Yeah. Um, the quote that I say, and I talked about it the other night on my, my singles live show is people always say my season is coming. My season is around the corner. My season is up the street. No, your season is right now. Your season is already here. You just have to accept it, move in it and walk in it. So my singles ministry came about uh, on Valentine's Day of 2017. So I had been doing uh, Facebook Lives. You know, I would pop on here and there in like 2016 when it, you know, came out and started to be big. And I said, well, you know, why don't I come on for Valentine's Day? Because I feel that, you know, there are a lot of singles um, that are saved out there, you know, Christians in the church who are single and maybe they don't have anything to do this Valentine's night. 
you know, maybe I should come on and, and just talk to them and see if there's anybody out there that felt the way that I did. And I was astonished because that first night, you know, like I said, three and a half years ago, so many people came on and people started writing me and they said, oh, you and I, I think I said I was going to do like a part two. Um, then when I came on that that time and I said, OK, well, I'll come on the next week. And God kept saying, no, you need to come on every Tuesday. You need, This is needed. This is needful. And I was, you know, started getting all these, you know, like I said, emails and phone calls and texts and people wanted to come on and people thanking me because it was out of obedience that I decided to come on because I could have just said, no, God, that's not you saying that. I don't need to talk to singles. You know, it's probably, you know, some people would tell me, oh, it's just a bunch of lonely people coming on because, you know, they don't have anything better to do and they're sorry. And so what happened was God started to download and pour into me um, a ministry and the heart and the compassion for single and saved people because we count too. Um, a lot of times you go to churches or you be in organizations where, you know, they really just don't talk about single people. It's kind of like an afterthought. You know, it's, it's, you know, oh, we got these the power couples and the marriages and, and all of those things are well and good. And that's something that I attain, you know, that I attain to, and I, I want to, you know, that's what I aspire, aspire to be, but I can't make that happen. So I can't go out there and grab somebody, marry them and make it happen. I have to wait for God. So again, it goes back to the patience, the long suffering, the forbearing and all of those things. So I continually came on and it just started to grow exponentially. Um, it started getting shared and, and reshared. And so it kind of became this little like phenomenon buzz. And, you know, I started doing conferences and, you know, they weren't large, they weren't huge. And you know, some of the conferences had 25, 30 people, but it was 25 or 30 people who I felt really mattered. And just because it wasn't 2,500 people does not mean that doing anything. So I want to tell people out there and, you know, anybody who's listening and anybody who's listening after, you know, and these are these things are shared. I want to tell you, do not think just because something is small that it doesn't count. You know, people will make you feel like if 2,000, 5,000, 10,000 people weren't there, 2,000 or 5,000, 10,000 people aren't following you or liking your things or loving your things or caring about it, that it doesn't count. You are only called sometimes to that one or two people. Absolutely. And if you don't complete your assignment in God, if God told you, I need you to speak to these two people, and you're worried about, well, God, why isn't it 10,000 people? And you don't speak to those two people, it's the same as somebody who didn't speak to the 10,000. So you have to be about obedience. What did God tell you? He didn't tell you the same thing he told me. So I've been walking in obedience with that singles ministry. Um, now I come on every other, I come on the second and the fourth Tuesday nights mm -hmm. um, at o'clock Eastern time. And we do, we bring relevant programming. We talk about all sorts of subjects and I have tons of married people on there. I have, you know, they come on in support of their single family and yeah. friends in support of their ministries and their businesses. And so it's just a great place. It's like a big group therapy session for for uh, church people on the second and fourth Tuesday night. It's not even always about uh, singleness at all. You know, it, I definitely 
do you know portray that and we definitely do talk about those things and the things that we go through but i wanted to see and i i just don't always see that out there i wanted to see a singles ministry that meets people where they are you know some mm -hmm. singles ministry it's all about trying to get somebody married it's all about trying to hook you up and i wanted a singles ministry for me because today at this time, I'm not married, so I don't always want to hear about how to steps and you know when when is it going to happen, and I don't want to hear about mm -hmm. that. I'm living life right now as a single person. Love me at that stage where I am right now, and then we can talk and we can move on because it, it makes people feel that they're either unworthy, they're less than. A lot of times, uh, singles, especially in the church, struggle with feeling like they're not good enough. They don't measure mm -hmm. up. They're constantly, you know, either being fixed up by people. You know, people grab something off the street and say, oh, you want to go out with him? I mean, I, I couldn't even tell you. I don't even want to go into that. But <laughs> they, their need for, you know, pitying you just goes, you know, to the ninth degree. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. You're single. I feel so bad for you. And really what it is is usually that person is struggling with something. And that person could be married. But typically, they're struggling with something. They're missing something in their life, so they're trying to fulfill it through you. And I tell my single and saved uh, friends on Lifestyles of the Saved and the Single all the time, do not be what someone else called you. Be mm -hmm. who you are in Christ. That person's perception of you, that person's view of you has nothing to do with God's view of you and who he called you to be. And I would tell anybody that's not even for, you know, just single people, but a lot of times single people, uh, it pertains to them because they do struggle with it. I feel a little bit more because they're always constantly trying to be married, constantly trying to be in a relationship, trying to make things work, trying to put things together and fit things into places that they just don't fit. You know, you're trying to put a, you know, a square peg in a round hole doesn't work. So just mm -hmm. let God yeah. Well, you know, I'm glad that you said that because my thing is on the other spectrum as far as having children having because children me and my husband were married for like, like 10, 10 years. years. Not, yes. We were together for 10 Not, years. We were together for 10 years. Any children before. appeared in our life. Children appeared and in people our life. would say, oh, what are you going to oh, have a baby? What are you going to have a baby we don't like kids. Yeah. We don't like you know, kids. in my whole thought so, when I first got married was, I need to know my I husband. Need to and know my husband. He needs to know me. We need to have a bond. We need to have a bond. Before they come and after they go, it's going to be us. It's going to be us. And so, yes. I was gifted with these beautiful children. Now we come now, into places. And you know, I'm thinking, oh, kids are a joy and everybody's gonna be excited. And so I walk in somewhere and here is all those are your kids, I'm gonna pray for you. Oh, let me pray for you. And I'm like, why do you need to pray for me? I'm blessed. This is this is a blessing because God had gifted me with one child. And apparently I did something right. Apparently I did got five more. So, you know, and, and, and without pain and labor, I'm going through getting them, but it's been some pain and labor, but not that kind. And, and, you know, my desire is my to desire have a baby, is but, to have a baby. 
but hey, if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. Sarah was 90, and I pray that I'm yes. not 90 and God decides to drop a baby in me. But, but you know, whatever it is, I'll take it on. I'll, I'll do that, but I'll, I don't need that. But I don't need to pay for me or feel sorry for me or feel that I'm a poor soul. Or I'm broken or something wrong with me. Because there's nothing wrong with me. Because there's nothing wrong with me. God had other plans. God had other plans. I'm the plans that he had. Because if I would have had children already, I would have had children the children that needed to come to me, I may not have had room for it. And so I'm grateful that I was able, my husband and myself, were able to be able to do able what to we did. And that's a ministry within itself. And that's a ministry within itself. Before we could yeah. leave the church, we got to get this family. You know, and, and, and I see no, that, and, and I and get I it. And so ministry is not just in the church. It's not just in the pulpit. And a lot of people think preaching is the preacher. Preaching is the preacher. Spreading the word of God is the preacher. No, we are all supposed to be equipped. And and the saints aren't being and the saints aren't being and so when I see people who really have joy for the Lord and who really want to do what they're called to do, that makes me excited and I want to talk to them and that's why I want to talk to them and that's why I started this platform. So many people out There's there that have so a voice that is not being heard. And a lot of times people think you've got to have a lot of to be able to get a point across. You know, and a lot of times I, I would hide myself back and say, hey, nobody's going to listen to what I have to say. But it's not what I'm saying. It's not what I'm saying. It's not coming from It's coming from what God is. It's coming from what God is. It's scripture. And if I'm not talking to you, I'm not preaching or trying to speak the word that's I applaud you for making that ministry because sometimes when there's not a place for us, we got to make a place for us. And so that's special because there was somebody else that there was somebody else needing and wanting the same thing that we were going through, and you were able to step up and bring that to the forefront. So that's a blessing for a lot of people. And like you said, we're married couples. I've been in your um, I've been in your um, and I've been there when you first had your own house and was watching you and I'm like, you know, I love what you're doing. I love what you're doing. It's just beautiful. Well, I I thank you, and I feel exactly the same way about you. Um, we are definitely kindred spirits. You know, just because, like you just said, it's different ministries, but it's the same values. So it's, you know, you may be dealing with, with families and I'm dealing with single people, but it's the same values. Mm -hmm. We're talking about the same things. We're talking about the same God. And so you can apply those principles on any platform. And, you know, any platform that I come from and that you come from, we know that we're going to be talking about the same things. It's those core values and principles that are in us and that are innate uniquely to us. And when you get into those stages and God puts you on more and more platforms. So like you said, I, I really can, you know, relate to what you're saying about, you know, having the children and not necessarily having them naturally, but they're still your children. And that Absolutely. is a ministry in itself. And you have five beautiful children and a family, how anyone could not see anything but good from that. I don't understand it. And like I said, I think it really goes back to that person 
Um, a lot of times people are struggling and dealing with things. They will not ever reveal it to you. They're dealing with it and they will put it on you and they will put it to you and, and tell you all these horrible things and all these horrible things that are going to happen to you. And you'll never be this. You'll never be that. Why aren't you like so-and-so? You know, there's this whole comp comparison game that is, is really a trick of the enemy. You know, this comparison of she has this, I don't, he has this, I don't. Why don't you have what she has? Why don't you do it like she does it? Um, and those things are really, really don't have a place, I feel, in the kingdom of God at all for any ministry, single, married, young, old, skinny, fat, dark, white, black, white. It has no place in the kingdom. Yes. Well, you know what? Well, I'm just what? excited I'm right just now excited because right I know now. that I know I follow that you, I read your follow posts, you, I, read your I posts, see the things that you say, I and I mean it's just so very inspirational. And so when you came out with the book, I was like, I mean, because you just give me so much inspiration to just be like, this too bad created us to be. What you're called to do, and so do you have a copy of the book that you can hold up and show everybody? I do. All right. No, put it on yeah, there, yeah, there you go. That is beautiful. I that applaud you. Beautiful. I applaud you. Yes. So this, this book um, is, <laughs> I, I have to like, just take a moment because it was actually six years ago, God told me you were going to write a book. And I had several thousand million different <laughs> titles that the book was going to be, but one of my, it's, it's hard for me to pick a favorite, but one of my all time favorite quotes and, and anyone who's watching out there, anyone in my family, my friends that are watching right now or watch it later, know that my favorite quote is, it is, I may not be high up on your chain, but I'm linked to God. And that actually stands above. And that was going to be the title of, of my book. It's probably going to be the title of some other book I'm going to write because I plan to write more. And that was going to be the title. And that really, really, to me, sums up any level that you're on at, you know, any like we talked about the platform. So that really sums up any platform, church, work, ministry, family life. You know, you always have these people that feel that, you know, so-and-so is high up on the chain and, you know, someone, you know, I had an, I have to share this. So I had an experience and it was, it wasn't at church. Um, it was, a, it was a corporate setting and I had gone up to talk to a speaker. And so the, the speaker had come to some conference and I, that, I'll leave it at that. And I wanted to talk to them. So there was a line and people talking to them. And someone literally, I'll use the word, they trumped me. And what I mean by that is I got ready to, to shake the person's hand and have a conversation. And I got the hand in my face and I got, oh, here's someone I really want you to meet. And I'm standing there. And this other person is put in my face and positioned to speak and meet to the person. And I just said, wow. Now, I had already had this quote before this happened, but it, it happens on so many levels in so many different ways. So it happens sometimes in person, 
Sometimes it's in writing. Sometimes it's it's subtle. Sometimes it's not even spoken. It's body language, it's gestures. And you can tell there are these certain people that people put up on a pedestal. And then once that person is up on that pedestal, no one can reach it. You can jump up and you can do all these things. You can try to build a bridge and a ladder. You're never going to get there. And they never let you forget it. But yet, we're all supposed to be linked to God. So if you think of a, a chain link and you think of all the different rungs and the rings, and it's all connected. It's not broken. It's all one piece. So how can you say you're higher up on the chain when it's really a circle when you look at it? Um, if you're not hanging it and dangling, because if you're hanging it, dangling it like that, that means it's broken. It's not a chain that's connected. So we don't want to talk about a broken chain. So if the chain is not connected, yeah, then you can be high up there and I can have a little low chain down here. I mean, a little low ring down the bottom. But that's not how a real chain is supposed to be. So I try to walk in that everywhere I go, every day. If I'm in the grocery store, I think about it. I may not be high up on your chain, but I'm linked to God. I'm in the mall. I may not be high up on your chain, but I'm linked to God in the church where there's, you know, certain maybe big name people or mm-hmm. somebody's got some title that everybody reveres and esteems. And then someone else is, is sitting in the pew, a lay person. They are just as good because we're all linked to God. You are certainly right. And I, I've seen it so many times as well. And it's so funny because I laugh and I go, well, you know, if you, you I know, made a video one day I, and I was laughing because I said to myself, I was just walking and I said, wagons are a drag. And I mean, bandwagons <laughs> are a drag. Don't get on the bandwagon. And so I made a video about it and I said, you know, what's wrong with people? Why are people so caught up in themselves and so self-serving and, and all of this? And I said, you know, get on the happy train. Because when this train takes off, <laughs> ain't no wagons going to be dragging. So you can't get on the wagon at that time. So, you know, for those who laughed or shunned me or decided they didn't have time to hear anything I had to say or I wasn't good enough or, you know, they even said Jesus was Mary and Joseph's child. He's a carpenter, but he came to save your life. You know, and so I know what God sent me here. I know what God sent you if you can't discern that. But, you know, I'm just trying to stay humble and wait till it's my time. And it's all good because we know when, when God prepares the table, Yes. Yes. Many good things. I love the the wag the dragon wagon. I love that. I love that. That that's a book all in itself. That is its own book. I'm telling you. That is its I got own so book. many. I got, I got so many. We all have to talk. We all have to talk. Yes. Yeah. I so love that one. Can you read? I can, can you read a little bit of your book to us? Sure, sure. So I picked out a couple of uh, my favorites, and then I also took a poll back in May um, when the book first came out. Actually, it came out in April, but around May, people were starting to get it. The buzz was was out there, and um, the most popular one, which I thought was hilarious, is I this one and it was a while ago it was probably about five years ago and it said you dropped me like a hot potato but god picked me and turned me into golden fries <laughs> i did not think that that would be the one 
but like 30 people chose that one. So wow, that's wow. a very and 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 you know I couldn't write something like that if I didn't experience that myself. You know, people will drop you all the time. You either they stop liking you for whatever reason, they move on to somebody better, yeah. or someone they feel is better or richer, smarter, cuter, prettier, whatever, and they just move on or more anointed than you or, you know, has a bigger following than you and they want to be behind whatever, you know, the person who has all these people following them and running behind them. And you are just like little nobody over here. So they drop you. And when I say that, it's, you know, I know it's not a literal drop, but it feels uh -huh. like that. when people start ghosting you and people that used to be your friend or used to talk to you, all of a sudden, like, they walk by, you see them with this new, like, group of people. And it's like, well, what did I do? Like, what happened? Like, I didn't change. And I, I always, that's something that God has put down in me and a gifting that he's given, you know, like I said, uniquely to me is that I never change. I literally see people on the train and they remember me from nursery school. And I had this experience a few years ago. I was on the train and a friend of mine from nursery school, her mother was sitting across from me and she's like, you're Kimberly Oliver, aren't you? She's like, you have not changed your spirit, your countenance, your face. And this was like probably 35 years later, you know, right. like I was probably around 40. I was like five when she remembered me. So that says something. And I used to be upset about it and say, oh, you know, all these other people, they changed, they moved here, they did this, they did all these great things. But there's something to be said about consistency. Mm -hmm. There is definitely something to be said about consistency. And I talked about the patience and the long suffering. It has benefits. It has benefits because there's some people, they've been all over the place and they look like they've been all over the place too. <laughs> Not that I don't love to travel and be all over the place because I am a person, I'm always gone. But literally and figuratively speaking, they look like they've been all over the place too. So, you know, God's keeping power and his loving, his loving kindness is, you know, what really keeps us going. And, you know, those times when somebody drops you like a hot potato, just remember God picked you up and turned you into some golden, delicious fries. All right. That's a good one. Um, one I picked up was um, love is not a status. It's a state of mind. And that one came from my singles ministry. And we were talking about and taking a look at, I had a conference that was entitled, You Are Not Your Status. And we talked about, we, we delved into it. We took a deep dive into what is it that makes us feel that, we are whatever our status is. And so, you know, our status could be married. Our status could be single. Our status could be, it's complicated. It's status could be widow. It could be divorced. Mm -hmm. It could be whatever. single, you know, with, with kids, single with no kids, whatever it is, you know, rich, poor, credit score. You know, we have so many things that try to define us and they're not necessarily things that really matter at the end of the day, they don't always matter. And, but we take it so seriously and so literally, literally, and we get all caught up in it. But when you think about it, love is not a status. 
No. Love is no. your state of mind. It is who you are and what you do. And it is definitely demonstrative. It is not, you know, sometimes, you know, what you say, and I say this and I say that, you can say that all day. But mm -hmm. if you're not doing it and you're not walking in it, it doesn't really mean a thing. So again, love is not a status. It's not something that you're trying to reach. You know, I want to get, I want to be at this status and that's love. Mm -hmm. No, love is your state of mind. Well, again, we are kindred spirits because I teach mindfulness. And one of the things that I really believe yeah, I really being mindful believe is mindful you have to love yourself. You have to love so yourself. God and first. Again, love God yourself. First. Love your love neighbor. Yourself. But love if you don't have a relationship with God, you don't know how to love yourself. You don't know how to love yourself. You can't love then others. And so, love again, and your so mind again, has to be your mind in the right state. And so that's what I try to help people to understand. Jesus came for the renewing of our mind. And once your mind mind is renewed, you will be transformed, yes. right? You'll be made new and you can think on a higher yes. level and you will have self-love and, and, and that will exude and people will draw yes. to you and you know, draw when God says, draw nearer to me and draw nearer to you and so when you do that, others will want to be in your presence and the ones that don't want to be in your presence is because they know their spirit is not right and you can discern that and when I learned that, I used to feel some type of way but now I realize that Oh, okay. Oh, okay. You ain't right. And and it's okay. It's it's okay. But when you are right, I'm still love you anyway. Because like you said, I haven't changed. I can call people on the telephone from elementary school that I have and they'll be like, I mean, you know, because I still have the same voice. I still have the same face. I still have the same face. I've been through a lot, but God has kept me and and the same with you i mean you keep talking about these 40s and nobody believes that you're in your 40s and that's because you walk in a life that shows the and people wonder why they people wonder why they hard and ran down that is the that is the total truth as as the team say that is a whole truth <laughs> and I, I could not agree with you more. I really couldn't. And I love this ministry that you have, your full mind life. I mean, it's just beautiful the way that you're you're helping people and coaching people and guiding them and steering them to, you know, the way of Christ and, and a mindful way to, to live our lives, you know, and it, it's helping people, you know, it's for the betterment of God's people. And that is always, always good. Always. Yeah. yeah and you know, it's yeah, only what you, know, you do with through only Christ will last. And I understand that. And, I and it took me a long time to actually, like I said, walk in that ministry. I was afraid that I was going to, people weren't going to accept it. And I even had a coach one time that told me, if you're going to do this, you need to take God out of it. And I'm like, God out of it. And I did not do it because God can't be in it. And so when I really got the concept, I was invited to teach a class. And so so I went in to teach the class and they told me before I got there, don't mention God. Because they knew, mm. you know, they knew. and I was like, okay, whatever. Yeah. Like, okay, so whatever. I'm going to show y'all something. So y'all never have to bite me back again. And it's hilarious. Because, 
when I got there, I said, when you know, I, I introduced myself. Said, and I said, introduced but before myself, I speak, but before I speak, I'm going to pray and ask the I'm Lord to guide me and what I need to say to make sure that I get the right words out so you can understand what you need to take with you today. And it was about time management. It was about time management. And so, yeah. And when I got done, you know, I had a lot of feedback. You know, I asked questions, but the facilitator called me up and said, you know, we just want to give you some feedback. And you think you did a good job, but we asked you not to bring God. And I just, I was like, well, you know, and I just okay, wherever God can't go, I don't want to be there. I don't want to be there. So it's okay because I'll be back one day and I'll be able to tell one day. And I'll be able to tell I had a meeting in that same building. I had a meeting in that same building the other day. It's hilarious because as I left, I just was laughing and saying, I was like, oh, yeah, I didn't realize I was going to be back this soon, but here I am, and things are totally different, and it's okay because God opens doors for you, no man can close them, so don't be afraid to walk through them, don't be afraid if they kick you out, that's okay. You don't need right. to be there. Okay. You, you don't need to be there. And, and so I'm just um thankful that we had this time and it's starting to wrap up. So I want to get to know some more. But what I want to ask you right now. I want to ask you right now. What would what would 12-year-old Kim 12-year-old Kim tell this Kim and vice versa? Okay, so I'll start with the 12-year-old Kimberly would tell the now Kimberly, to remember that funny side of myself, to remember to laugh more, um, remember to be that spunky, funny person that people wanted to be around and that, you know, the neighborhood kid that all the kids were at my house and to continue with the pursuit of architecture and continue to draw and, you know, not feel weird about you like to draw more than read. Um, because what ended up happening, I would never think that I would have a book because I used to choose drawing over reading. And, you know, <laughs> I didn't want it to be a problem. And I wanted to, you know, please everybody. And, you know, wanted to, I knew that, you know, reading is fundamental and reading is something that, you know, is Definitely, you've got to do it. You've got to, and I, I wish that I had done more of it. But my spirit and who I was and who I still am is is an artist. So the way I got my creativity out, and people now realize that you know through you know science and and more things, you know it's just a, a newer time, and you know things evolve, and people now understand that a lot of the same fundamental things that you use um, parts of your brain to draw and do art are just as good as reading. It's just different. Um, so I would tell that 12 year old self, never lose that. Don't lose that fun side. Don't become bitter and angry because you don't have something that someone else has. You know, when you go to your teenage years and you start this whole, you know, comparison thing again and you know, who looks better and, and your, you know, your body's changing, you're changing, you're kind of figuring out who you are. Um, I would tell that 12 year old self right now, don't even get involved with that stuff because it's a waste of time. So I guess if I could go back, um, being where I am now, 
maybe I wished I would have done some of those things when I was, you know, 12 and, and coming up and not maybe have been so shy. But at the same time, I think I had to be that person in order to be who I am now. So if I had not had the experience of being the shy background person, and I probably wouldn't appreciate being on this other side now and, you know, owning the fact that I am an extrovert. You know, people looking at me who weren't my, you know, weren't my friends or my family had no idea that I was an extrovert because I would show up in a room and I would immediately go to the back because I assumed that no one wanted me there. No one cared that I was there. And so let me sit in the back. Let me go in the back and, and do something, you know, like we always joke and say the man behind the curtain, like the Wizard of Oz, <laughs> one of my favorite movies. And he's behind that curtain and people don't know what he's doing. And I'm not saying that you have to always tell everybody what you're doing and you have to always be out in the forefront. But if God called you to that forefront, you can't be disobedient and not go to it because then, you know, you you're in disobedience, which is not a good thing. And if he called you to it, he's going to make the way. There's a reason why you're there. And I think about that often now. If I was that same person that I was like 15 years ago, I wouldn't be able to help all these people. I wouldn't have written a book. I wouldn't have done anything. I wouldn't have even tried to go into the ministry. I would have never gotten up and preached. I would have never gotten up and taught any class at any conference or anything like that because I would have said, well, they don't want me. They don't want to hear me. I'm not as good as this one. And I don't, I don't preach the way this one preaches. Um, I don't write my books the way so-and-so writes their books. So no one probably wants to hear it. And I wouldn't have been able to, you know, be that person and be that example and, you know, mentor a lot of people now. You know, I would never thought that I'm like, who wants to be mentored by me? Because I had that stigma that I put on myself and it was about loving myself and I'm learning it more and more. I'm not saying that I'm a hundred percent there and I wake up every day. I love Kimberly. She's so wonderful. Mm -hmm. That's not me. Probably no day do I ever get up and say that. But I, I learned to connect with other people who understand and love me for where I am. Um, I do have a book coming out um, either the end of this year, I'm still saying it, or early next year that is going to be entitled Love Me in My Lane. And that's what this book was going to be entitled. But God revealed it to me. He said, you have all of those quotes out there. Um, they're all out there in social media. I had a ministry business, which I still have, um, where I do t-shirts and mugs and baseball caps, and flip-flops and scarves and umbrellas, okay. whatever you want. Okay. And it has, they actually had all of the quotes, a lot of the quotes that are in the book have already been out there for years. And I didn't know that it was ever going to be a book, but it's on a blanket. People have blankets. They took them to the beach and people have t-shirts that they're still wearing with my quotes. Uh, one of my uh, quotes was, you can't rain on my parade because I'm already showered with blessings. And so that was out there, but I was able to put it all into one book, get it copywritten, you know, and I understand the legalities of, of copyright and those types of things, because if someone actually takes one of the quotes from my books and they don't acknowledge me and it's copywritten and they make two cents off of it, I make, I can sue them and I am entitled to seven times whatever mm -hmm. they make. So go ahead and use my stuff. <laughs> 
And don't tell me, but if I find out you made a profit on it, I'm going to make seven times what you make. So, you know, and that came from me five years ago before I even put pen to paper and wrote anything. I was the person that was back there. Like I said, the long suffering, the patience. And I'm not saying that things don't happen suddenly for some people. I'm not saying that it's going to take you five years. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying for me, that was my journey. And I was able to understand that having that patience and that long suffering, I was back there in 2015. I remember listening to phone calls, how to write a book and how, what, how does copywriting work and Mm -hmm. the difference between copywriting and registering and trademark and LLC. I was studying all of that stuff, but I didn't just pop out, pop out with a book this year. It it was some work and I definitely Mm -hmm. want to give, um, credit to uh, my publishing company, um, who I hooked up with at the end of last year. I come to find out uh, it was somebody that just saw me say on Facebook last summer, I think I just penned the first words of my book. And I got a reaction. It was a person that I had only become Facebook friends with a few weeks before. Didn't even really know the person. They inboxed me, you know, Facebook messengered me, and they said, would you like to write a book? Something you said resonated with me. Let's make this happen. We started to talk, found out that our families are are connected. We, you know, they were preaching at my cousin's church and it was all these things. And then I ended up hooked up with a wonderful, my publishing company, uh, Wealth and Riches Today. The CEO is L. Renee Richardson. And I just was welcomed into this huge family and welcomed into this platform that I would have never had had I not stepped out there in August of 2019 and said I wanted to write a book. And so here it is a year later, last year at this time, there is no way, and I'm going to hold it up again, there is no way that I would have ever, ever thought that I would have had that and that it would be in Walmart, that it would be in Target, that it would be in Barnes & Noble and Amazon. So I tell anybody out there for encouragement, not just about me, not just about Tonikia, but that do whatever it is that God told you to do. And he will bless you and he will bless others for you doing it. All right. So listen, tell me who or what. We're going to wrap up in just a minute, but I want to know who or what inspires you. Who or what inspires you? Okay. So definitely first off, my parents. My parents, my lovely parents who I cherish and adore. Um, I am blessed to be an only child. And I'll say that because a lot of times, and I think that's a lot of who I am as well. I can't separate that from who I am because I'm super close with them. And I think it is because I'm an only child. So it's always only been me and them. Mm -hmm. And I'm tearing up and I, I didn't want to, but um they have supported me in any and everything that i have done my whole entire life so i can go back to i remember being in the, in the crib i remember i have a really good memory i get that from my dad and so i remember all the times that they sacrificed for me um my mom i was in a, a program up here called uh, metco where they bust um kids from the inner city, even though we didn't live in the inner city, but we were in the uh, Boston proper and they bust um, minority children 
out to the suburbs to, you know, predominantly white schools. And my mother would drive me every day from the sixth grade to my senior year in high school to a bus stop that was about 15 minutes away from us. And my bus stop was really early. It was like six in the morning. And my mother got up every day for six years and drove me there. That's love. And picked me up every day. Uh, my father, I always say that my father and my grandfather, I think I got my, um, I would say my wit from and my way of, you know, taking words and, and manipulating them and putting a spin on them, you know, so like a pop, popular sayings, um, my father and then my, my grandfather, the late suffragan Bishop Joseph H. Oliver uh, mm. Sr., um, he would, he had sermons that were a lot like the titles and things in, in my book and the quotes. So um, he was actually fortunate enough. He never saw the book because he died in 2016. But in 2015, like I told you, I had all these quotes out there and, you know, on blankets and postcards and different things. So my grandparents' house was filled with my quotes. And so people would come over and my grandfather would say, you, have you seen my granddaughter's quote? You know, so his, his favorite quote was, your two cents will never outweigh the favor of God. And he loved it. I had a picture of like two pennies, you know, together. And Aww. so, you know, I, I glean, I glean from that, you know, I glean from my mother's um, ability to just put paragraphs and sentences together. And not just because she's a teacher, because that's just who she is. Um, grammar is her thing. And I mean, she can pump out a letter and I mean, it was, it's just like fit for, I, I really think she could write for, for presidents and she could write their speeches because she just has that ability. And I never thought that I got that because I thought that, you know, I inherited the, the architecture and the engineering side, you know, from my father and my grandfather. And I always thought, well, I, I'm not a writer. I don't know how to write. Um, but I found that I did. And once I did, I owned it and I moved on. So I would say, it's my parents and definitely Jesus. <laughs> Absolutely. And you know what? I think that you know that what? is a parent's biggest accomplishment to know the love of their child, to know the, the respect of their child, to know that they raise a child that really looks up to them. Because I was going to ask you who your hero is, but I already know who it is. You just describe them. And so that's a blessing and it's a beautiful thing. And I was telling my mom the other day, I said, your family is a model family of what love looks like. And when I see you all together, and I see how you interact with one another, it just with one is another. so it beautiful just and so it's like a comforting and feeling like to know feeling that, to that know love that is out there and so you know that's what we all need to know so thank you for being that inspiration thank you for being the light in dark places you know keep shining don't ever let anybody take that i hope and pray that a year from now or six months from now whenever your next book comes out then we can get back on here and talk about that and maybe even sooner you know, you might have some other things that you haven't got all out that you want to come back and talk about. And we can talk about God all day. We can talk about Jesus all day. And the word, and that can never get old. So you are welcome anytime. And I just, before we I want you to stay on here, but before we get off, 
I'm gonna close out and I want you to stay. But I want you to leave. I just want you to leave us with some words with wisdom. Some confirmations that we can just take with us and just put in our soul and be better by. And be better by. Sure. Well, I just literally opened up the page. I didn't even pick any of these out, but I'm going to just read a few. So I opened up to page 54 and it says, once you fully surrender, you will not have to live your life as a pretender. And I'll give you just a, a tiny bit of, you know, I'll expound on it just a real little bit for quickly. And that one came from, I was seeing, and, and it was partly me too, that there's parts of you that you don't fully surrender to God. And so you are living your life as a pretender because you haven't surrendered to him so that you can fully be everything that he wants you to be. And it's all, it's a trust issue. So you don't oh trust that if you fully surrender, then you leave it all out. It's all out. You know, you're honest. Everything is all out. Every, you know how they say you put everything on the table. Everything's there. Everything you have is all on that table. So at that point, you've surrendered. But when you don't do that, you're just a pretender because you haven't fully surrendered. So you're you're a fake, is what I was saying. So let me <laughs> let me just I'll open up to one more page and see what this one says. Uh, sometimes you don't realize how close you are to your farthest dream. Hmm. And that came from me just realizing some things in my life and some blessings in my life and things. It was, it's so close, but it might be like your wildest, farthest dream that you never thought of, but you're close to it. You are so close to it. You know, don't give up because you're, you're that close. You could be like right around the corner. You don't even know it, but you don't want to give up on it because you are close to it. So I, I will leave you with those two. Amen. So how Amen. do we get so your book? Where can we where your can your book be purchased at? How can we support you? How can you into your ministry? Thank you so much for, for allowing me to to even be on this platform and, you know, to to mingle my voice with yours. And you can get it on Amazon. So if you go to Amazon, if you have an Amazon account, Amazon Prime, or just regular Amazon, if you type in Kimberly J. Oliver and then type in 101 God-given Kim formation. So as soon as you type in Kimberly J. Oliver and 101, it will pop up. Same thing on Walmart, Target, Barnes & Noble. You can get it there. Okay. All righty. Now, one last thing. Where is your business located and how do we order your your items with the with the quotes on it? Oh, sure. So I have two websites now. I have not fully launched. I actually have KimberlyJOliver.com, which is under construction, but that's going to be launched um, very, very shortly this fall. And then I also have um, a website that I'm retiring, but that was a big part of me before the book came out. And that was ask-kimberlyoliver.com. So it was ask and then a dash, kimberlyoliver.com. 
And that was that was started actually 10 years ago when I had no book, no quotes, no nothing. God told me in the middle of the night, create this website and it's going to generate uh, revenue for you. And, and it did. So um, it's a little outdated. But if you if you get in contact with me there, there's there's a, um, a box I know there for like contact me by email. And, and I could definitely help you out with that. And also um, a better place to reach me is on Facebook. You can follow me. It's Kimberly J. Oliver. And you can follow me. And I, I do uh, post uh, T-shirts and things like that um, okay. from time to time. And okay. you can definitely get in contact with me and I'll hook you up with you. All right. Well, that's awesome. For some reason, I'm having some technical difficulties on this side, so I couldn't get that last one up. There it goes. Oh, no problem. Thank you. Because oh, Ashley, that one. I I apologize. That one is just KimberlyOliver.com. So the first one you have is correct. The ask. Um. Yep. Okay. The first one is correct. Okay. No problem. Okay. All right. It'll well, probably come God up bless anyway. you. I love you. Tell your mom and dad. Thank I said thank you for having you and let, allowing you to come on this because <laughs> I know that they gave you oh, that blessing. I know your dad and your mom were so happy. Your mom was so I know they're watching. And yep, there goes your dad. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in today. Thank you for meeting my beautiful cousin, Kimberly J. Oliver. Go get her book, 101 God-Given Information, and just support her and her ministry. And know that when God puts someone before you, he's giving you something that you can hold on to. And today, I feel like he gave us a blessing with your word and your wisdom and just with your openness and just how candid you are and how real you are. Christians are uptight and they're Christians all this or that and there's a stigma about Christians but you know what girl we can hang out with my girlfriend or my cousin and we can do good things together so I salute you and everybody out there today thank you for tuning in join me back tonight from 6 to 8pm I'm sorry 6 to 7pm when I will have Peggy Lewis on she is going to be representing the human library and there's going to from 3 to um, 6 p.m. And that's going to be live as well. So you can tune into that. But tonight she's going to be on to talk about it and, and to help you to know how to get there. So stay tuned for that later on tonight. And until then, remember, you were created for purpose. Thank you. Thank you.